1: What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? It's high noon on a Thursday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory here on SNR for the next two hours. Wesley Euler, we got Chris Carter with us. Part of the family here for the next two hours in for Arthur Motes. Chris, thank you for being here, and how we doing? I'm doing great today. How
2: you doing, my man, Wes?
1: Well, I'm always better, you know, when uh, when I know that I have the security blanket of Chris Carter. I mean, you know, you're, <laughs> like, you're like my whoopee. I I'm, you I'm, I'm, I'm
2: your I'm your uh, I'm your Heath Miller. You're, you're my, <laughs> you're my, you're saying? You're when my you turn Heath down Miller. and you don't know who else to go to, just throw it. to. But I mean, that's what Chris Carter was for the Minnesota Vikings for uh, a very long there time. There we go. I there mean, we go. I, all, all I do is catch touchdowns. baby. <laughs> uh, you know, when I got the
1: news, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, you know, mm-hmm. hey, uh, uh, Brian emailed me or Moats emailed me. I don't remember. Hey, I'm uh, going to be out on Thursday. But Carter's in. I'm like, OK, when I see the Moats is going to be out. Right away, I think, mm. oh no, that means I'm gonna have to do more work. I'm mm. gonna, ha-. but then when I see the Chris Carter, I'm like, ah, oh, well, will see. We just I just it. swap we one football this. brainiac for another, and I can make it look
2: like I'm good at my job. You know, oh man, and, and Arthur is the heck of a football brainiac. I love you guys' show. I love listening to both of you Thanks, talk, partner. Uh, y'all have great chemistry, so I'm glad to. I'm glad to be able to sub in and and, and uh, you know be, be the standard that is the standard and hold the line. <laughs> We're not cutting our eyelids off. That is for sure. Uh, you want to chime in on uh, the conversation?
1: Over the next two hours You know the drill You can find us on Twitter At Carter Critiques That's where you find Chris I am at Wesley Euler. In about uh, 15 minutes here Exactly We will talk to our buddy Brian Backo From the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette Chris, simple question for you though Today to get us started Here on the program Which team is more reflective Of their record right now? Are the Steelers closer to Looking like An undefeated team? Are the Texans closer to looking like an 0-2 team? Which team threw two games, and again, small sample size, but who has the record in your mind that's more indicative
2: of who they actually are as a team? I feel like, I mean, that's a tough question, because the Steelers, you are what your record states. Absolutely. I'm I'm always one to not read too much into that. But I also feel like the um, the Texans are... They, they, they were dealt a raw deal with—their first two teams were the Chiefs and the Ravens, the two presumed top two teams in the AFC, and that's a tough position to be in. It is. But the fact is is that those were huge games for you to win, and you didn't win them. Right. And just like those games, the Giants and the Broncos, neither are considered serious contenders here, but those are the games the Steelers have to, have win, to win, and they won them. So— I mean, we could say whatever we want about you know who's more like winless or undefeated, but I mean the Steelers have been doing their job. They they handled their business. Um, you know, they got wasn't always pretty, but it wasn't pretty. 2-0. But but here's the thing is that you know, and I, I know Houston's like, well, you know, uh, we we you know DeAndre Hopkins has gone and all that, but you know what? That, that, those were Ben Roethlisberger's first two games in 365 days, so. Uh, you know, the, excuses can be thrown in for either for either side right. for how they've played, but the bottom line is the Steelers have gotten it done, and the the Texans haven't. I think that's where we got to look at this situation because, um, sure, the Steelers have had their sloppy moments, but again, they got they got it. That you know, the the Broncos had the ball with the chance to take the lead in the late in the fourth quarter, and the Steelers stopped them. Right. Um. And. I think for the past seven times when a team has had the ball with the chance to take the lead and, and win the game late in the fourth quarter, the Steelers have won every one of those situations, which is a huge reason why they went eight and eight last year. Mm-hmm. So, um, and eight and six without the future it, Hall of Fame quarterback. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm right here where I say um, the Steelers, the Steelers deserve their their undefeated record right now. Uh, the Texans, you know, this game will be very interesting. If they bounce back and go one and two, it'll be a huge statement for them because now they then they play the Vikings after that, who are really struggling this really year, really struggling. So they have a chance if they they need this game because if they can come out of the, the first quarter of the season being two and two that puts them right in the mix for the afc afc south but if they're 1 and 3 and or if they're 0 and 3 this week and we'll see tonight if the jaguars beat the dolphins mm-hmm. and they're one and they're 0 and 3 against and the jaguars are 2 and 1 that's you have to dig yourself out of a hole from the jaguars so we all thought we were going to go 0 and 16 this year it's not where you wanted to be no absolutely even with the uh you
1: know the extra wild card team in each yep. conference this year it's it's tough to spin an 0 and 3 start in terms of any positivity mm-hmm. I think it's a real litmus test for, for both of these teams, Chris. I do. Yep. It's you know, you know what? Now that I'm sitting across from you, I mean the distinguished Pitt man himself, I think it's a litmus test for all three of our teams this weekend, Chris. Uh, Saturday, <laughs> right? Pitt and Louisville, yeah. top 25 matchup. Uh, Steelers and Texans, absolutely. And I think for my Mountaineers as well against Oklahoma State, a top 15 team. It's litmus test weekend. That's what we're going with, Chris, for our teams. I, I really think... And I felt like this during the offseason, that it would take some time, right, to not rush to make judgments about any team. The Jaguars could still be really bad, right? Uh, yeah. The Minnesota Vikings could still win nine games, I think, and, and potentially be in a wild card race. What we've seen through two weeks is not the final product for any team any year, particularly with the lack of offseason this year. I think it is really about week three, week four, when you should start making judgments on teams. The Texans can't start 2-0. and the Steelers are probably looking at this as, okay, this is kind of perceived as our first real test. They want to prove themselves yeah. as well, too. And and Ben talked about that, how I think I can be much better. We can be much better. Um, they want to go out and prove it. It To me, litmus test weekend uh, for the Steelers, the Texans. And, hey, we'll throw in the Panthers and the Mountaineers there, too, because why
2: not? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, that, that that's the thing is that. Again, you are who you say you are. It's funny. Pitt and the the Steelers are on a parallel course right now. They played two teams that, by preseason predictions, you'd assume that they would be able to beat. Mm -hmm. And in that, there was some sloppiness on offense, but some craziness on defense. And in their second games, actually, I think through two games, both teams have ten sacks. (laughs) And I think four turnovers. I think think the (laughs) Panthers also have four first turnovers, and the Steelers have four first turnovers it's that kind of crazy right now. Um and uh that's where I look at it and I'm just like, man, like that's that's pretty wild. And both have to improve on offense and both, you know, have experienced quarterbacks within systems. I mean, it, it's it's crazy how parallel they are right they mm-hmm. they are right now. And both again play at Heinz Field this weekend. <laughs> um it's pretty wild, but I, I like the approach of both teams. You know, Pat Narduzzi has been saying all week, you know, I cover Pitt for dkpittsburghsports.com and when I'm there and I'm and I'm hearing Narduzzi, you know, he he's saying like, you know, we're it's it, we're we're we are aware of why of, of our mistakes and mm. Pitt is talking about what they have to do to improve because Louisville has right same now thing Steelers are doing <laughs> yeah it's the same thing the Steelers are doing yeah yeah we're yeah we know we got to clean up but we know we played some rough games but we're still undefeated right now right and it's better to be undefeated and not playing your best yes. football than to be winless and say and saying well we're playing close to our best football because it don't matter where you are. When you're and 0 it doesn't matter how you win these games early in the season. It matters how you're playing in the playoffs once you get to the playoffs. And winning these games early gets you there. People, I've said this on the DK Steelers podcast, the Locked On Steelers podcast. I've said this everywhere. On Morning Java with DKPittsburghSports.com, <laughs> everything. Probably on the Crowley Show a couple Pro- times. Probably on the Crowley Show. Uh, but the Steelers in 2008 in Week 2 barely beat the Cleveland Browns 10-6. to Then the week after that, they got they got smoked by the Eagles and they were you know gouged and and just picked apart by their defensive front. Was that like the Ben Roethlisberger was sacked what seven times, seven or or eight eight times, times, something like some crazy number? And people were like, "Man, this team isn't built for this. You don't know what they're built for." They the point is they got to win right now. Yes, when they lost. To the Bengals in 2005, and and Hushmanzada was you know using the towel and everything. A lot of people counted the Steelers out because they needed to win out to guarantee their weight, but they did that. It's not about how it's not about how good you're playing early. It just matters that you're winning early. Chris, there were people in November of last year that were questioning if
1: Andy Reid's tenure in Kansas City yep. was over in November. Yep. Around is, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. they, they were asking, is this it for Andy Reid? Uh, you know, we went to the AFC Championship game in overtime last year. The Chiefs are struggling, probably barely going to make the playoffs this year. Is this it for Andy Reid? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, two, f- three months later, he's standing there holding up the Super Bowl trophy in South Beach, laughing at everyone. Yeah, I we do that as football fans, right? There's yep. only 16 games less in college football, only 12 games less this year, right? Mm-hmm. Only 9, 10, 11 games, depending mm-hmm. on what conference you're playing in. I get that it's very easy to overreact to -to week-to-week results, absolutely. Um, But I think this is the week where teams will start to look more of what their final product will be. Not completely polished, but definitely more so than they were in week one and in week two. Litmus test, that's what I'm going with. That's what I'm sticking with here on the show today. We're going to take our first break, pay some bills here. On the other side, we will be joined by Brian Backo, our buddy Woo. from the Post-Gazette. Steelers beat reporter. Uh, we'll discuss some of what we saw against the Broncos and look ahead to the Houston Texans. And we will know uh, Brian Backo's prediction before we get out of here. He got it right with the Steelers last week, but wrong against the spread. And I'll tell you what, Carter, this guy Backo. So we started recording his, his weekly picks, right? Because last year uh-huh. on the show... Uh-huh. He didn't, join, he didn't start joining Motes and I weekly, I think, until like week three or week four, so we didn't get all 16 predictions from him. Uh-huh. But he was like 10-3 and three on his predictions, picking the Steelers last year on the show, like against the spread and everything. Wow. He did really well, so we've been keeping tally this year. We'll get his prediction uh, for the Texans and some final thoughts on that Broncos game as we start to look ahead and fully turn the page to Sunday. Brian Backo next on the other side. Chris Carter in for Arthur Motes. This is Steelers Blitz. On SNR,
3: <music>
0: this is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and <laughs> Arthur Motes on your 24 7 home of the black and gold, SNR. <laughs>
1: Don Juan tweets the show Chris is the Mariano Rivera of Steelers blitz.
2: Yes I am. <laughs> the perfect closer. That's what I'm talking about. Well, I would give up my number 42 for Jackie Robinson. Ooh. Are you an Inner Sandman guy? I am. I mean, who isn't?
1: Well, it's kind of like the Sweet Caroline thing with me, you know? It's what? like Inner Sandman's a Virginia Tech song.
2: Oh, oh, I get what you're saying. I was yeah. I was confused with I was like, so I mean, I mean yeah, I like, I was the like song, who doesn't like but... the song, but you were talking about him using it. Listen. Anybody can use that song for what what they want to use. That's, that's, true. Uh, that, that's, that's true. That's how, I, that's how I, I feel about it. But the number 42,
1: off limits. Yeah. I'm with Jackie that. Robinson. So if you're Mariana Rivera,
2: mm-hmm. our next
1: guest here, he's got to be like the best setup man ever. You're more of a baseball guy than me. I think Brian Bacco probably is too. Eh? Backo, who who's the best setup man guy ever?
0: Cool.
4: I don't know, but I was gonna say, isn't Chris like more of a long reliever at this point? It's not oh, like dang. you're is calling him in for the last fifteen to twenty minutes
2: of the show. Dang! You just take my title off me. Why don't you? Back me? <laughs> Jeez! I mean, I'm just saying you're putting in more work than a closer <laughs> would do. But does the who makes the more money on a baseball team, the closer or the long reliever? Because I'm about to have a Bud well, Dupree type of <laughs> argument with you about what what kind of title I get here, buddy. <laughs>
4: Yeah, the closer is uh, definitely more prestigious, definitely making more money, but also more of a trade trip, trade, trade. wow, say that five times fast, so uh, you don't want to tout yourself as the closer too much, or, or someone might come swoop in and, uh, and trade for you.
2: Yeah, and, se- and send me to uh, another place, the Pirates? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Brian Bracco of the Post-Gazette with us here. All right, we not, we, we have the John Gruden joke from the uh, from training camp. We knock wood knock if on, we don't talk, talk baseball on the show here. <laughs> uh, we're already breaking one of our own show roofs. Brian Bracco with us here uh, of the Post-Gazette. Uh, looking back, Broncos game. Uh, you more optimistic, pessimistic, glass half full, glass half empty. Do you look at some of the ball security struggles? Do you look at some of the lack of efficiency on first and third down? or are you more optimistic? Ben's elbow looks okay. The defense looks like they're going to kill a quarterback at some point this season. What was your kind of ultimate takeaway from, from last Sunday at Heinz Field?
4: Well, Wes, you know me. I never get too high or, or too low. So I'm kind of right in the middle. But if anything, you know, you're asking me to go one way or the other. I'm probably a little bit more optimistic. I mean, if this the early stages of this season have taught us anything, swanky things can happen in the NFL, which we know. And, and I think anytime you can get a win even if it's a win you have to grind out at home against the team that is rebuilding kind of to begin with and also had to throw in uh their backup quarterback uh, in the middle of it you'll still take it i mean it they could have looked more impressive don't get me wrong but i still come back to that final broncos offensive series when it's third and two it you know the air has figuratively been out of the let out of the building considering there's no fans there. Oh, I Hines see what you did there. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but you feel you felt like that was going to be a really deflating end for the Steelers, and, and a year ago or certainly two years ago, maybe it would have been. I never really lost faith in this defense to, to bend but not break and find a way to get it done and slam the door, and that's exactly what they did by virtue of Terrell Edmonds making a play.
2: Not. Here's the thing, Brian, is that when you look at the, the last several times this defense has had to make a stand, they have for the Steelers. But historically, eventually, a de- a, even a great defense is going to crack. We saw that in 2008 when the Steelers uh, were a great defensive team. But in the Super Bowl, it was the offense that had to come to the rescue. What When do you think is going to be the time where the offense— is going to have to stand up and be the team, part the part of the team that closes out a game. Like, how, how much longer do you think they can ride this train of the defense closing games out rather than the offense?
4: Well, Chris, not to get too far ahead of the segment here, but I think he could come as soon as this Sunday at Whoa. one o'clock because I think this is going to be a pretty high scoring game with fireworks coming from both offenses. And to me, with Deshaun Watson coming in here, you know, back against the wall with a decent amount of talent, even after losing uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, I think they're they're going to have to score more than they have in, in the first two weeks. And as good as the Steelers defense has been uh, most of the time through the first two uh, weeks of the season, it's not going to be nearly as easy against Deshaun as it was Daniel Jones and Drew Drew Driscoll. I'll call him uh, if he were one quarterback. So. Um, so I think it's going to come this week right now, What you're talking about when the defense maybe lets you down a little bit and Ben Roethlisberger has to get back to some of his old school heroics to save the day.
1: Well, speaking of the offense needing to save the day, let me ask you this then here, Brian. Um, two Steelers rookies on offense, I think we can all agree, have been encouraging so far. And I'm talking about Chase Claypool and Kevin Dotson. But which one there? ability to take legitimate snaps is more important to the Steelers. Like with the Castro seemingly coming back now, is it still is it more important to you that Dotson is up to speed or chase Claypool? I guess that's the easiest way for me to, to state this two minute question I'm trying to ask here.
4: I think it's still Claypool because to me, all things being equal, he's gonna have a role throughout the, the rest of the season and maybe even have a role that grows week by week. Whereas with Dotson filled in admirably, did what I think even a lot of people had seen from him in training camp, which was show you that while you probably don't need to lean on him right now, you could if it came to that. And he's also going to be a guy that is more than than confident stepping in maybe as early as a year from now as a full-time starter, but at some point before the end of his four-year rookie deal, He's going to be able to establish himself as as the left or right guard of the future for this team, but this team's about the present. I mean, it's about right <laughs> now and currently, Chase Claypool is is proving that uh, he's a huge upgrade over if you want to call him the number four receivers that this team has had maybe since Ben first got here. I mean, they've had good duos, they've had good trios, even and, and obviously have, have had the best receiver in the league uh, for a while there with Antonio Brown. But I don't know that they've ever been this deep with this uh, versatile a receiving core, especially when you throw in the pass catchers at tight end and, and even James Conner and Jalen Samuels working out of the backfield.
2: Brian, if you look at you're talking about the depth there, and I think it's a great point. If you look at the Steelers' stats so far, the, it seems very spread out. Now, the targets are going to Deontay Johnson. He's the leader of the targets, but Juju, two touchdowns. Johnson, one touchdown. Washdale, one, one touchdown. Claypool, one touchdown. Do you think that there's at any point this season – that we start to see those numbers start to skew towards one or two players? Or do you think this is going to be a season where the Steelers keep that even keel because Randy Featner wants to keep the offense balanced so you can't tee off on one player? Because we saw in the Steelers' pass in 2016, AFC Championship against the Patriots, when it was Antonio Brown, the Patriots took away Antonio Brown, and the offense struggled. But when it's balanced, you you can't game plan to take away one guy. You have game plan to take away all guys. Do you think that they're going to keep that even key, or do you think there's going to be one or two guys that start to rise up and get the majority of those numbers?
4: No, I think it's going to continue being pretty balanced, and I think spreading the ball around more is kind of what Ben was really looking forward to doing last season, and then it didn't pan out for a number of reasons. Not only could Dante Moncrief not catch a cold, but Ben gets hurt, and all of a sudden your plan there kind of falls apart. As for this year, yeah, I don't think you're going to have anybody putting up the huge numbers. A.B. did while he was here, or, or even him and Juju a couple of years ago going well over a 1,000 yards when Ben led the league in passing. I don't know if you'll see anything quite that uh, voluminous, but what you could see is, is maybe if Chase Claypool continues to make plays when called upon, I think he could surpass James Washington, and, and maybe at that point, uh, if, if James doesn't stay involved, he ends up being – more of a distant fourth than anybody would have expected. It doesn't seem like they're going to go away from peppering Deontay Johnson with targets anytime soon. Uh, Juju looks as as good as ever. I mean, just bringing him down right now in the open field seems like uh, an unenviable task for any opposing defensive back. And uh, with Claypool, everybody wants him to see more snaps, and I can't blame them. So uh, for the most part, yeah, I think it's going to be spread out pretty evenly, and and you're even going to have to account for uh, some targets in there for Eric Ebron.
1: Brian Bacco of the Post Gazette our guest here on the Steelers Blitz. I asked Carter this in the first segment. Uh want to get your opinion here as well, Mr. Bacco. Which team's record is more indicative of their performance to this point this season? Are the Steelers really more like a 2 and 0 team, the Texans really more like an 0 and 2 team. Which team has you are what your record says you are, right? But which team has played more like it?
4: Yeah, I think it's the Steelers. Going back to my original answer that I'm I'm leaning toward optimistic after what I've seen in week one and week two. I think the Steelers are showing, especially with Ben and the way he's looked thus far, that, that they are gonna be there as a contender, not only for the playoffs, but but maybe for the division. Granted the Ravens still look really good and, and one of the victims of that were the the Texans last week. But when when you have to face the Chiefs in, in Baltimore in back to back weeks, I can't knock you too much for being Owen two because it's quite possible that every single team in the league would be Owen two <laughs> after opening the season that way. So I still think the Texans are, are going to be plucky. Um, you know, you, you worry about the vibes around that organization a little bit. I think after the off season, they had with Deandre Hopkins getting dealt strangely, Deshaun Watson seeming to react somewhat chaped um, by that. And I can't <laughs> blame him, but then you, you, you back up the Brinks truck for him and, and maybe that makes everything better. So, I certainly think they're they're better than, than what their record says they are, and, and they're going to be in the mix for the AFC South title when it's all said and done.
2: So, Brian, I got a question here matchup-wise and talking about the Texans and everything. I, I still see Deshaun Watson, of course, as the biggest threat to the Steelers, of course, in this game, but they don't have that supreme target at wide receiver. They're still trying to figure out who's going to be that guy. Can Will Fuller stay healthy and all that? If the Texans are to beat the Steelers, the main thing they have to do is blank. What's your answer? I'm
4: going to say protect Deshaun Watson. You know, Laramie Tunsil is really good as their left tackle, um, and, and he should be able to neutralize Bud Dupree more than, than really any left tackle we've seen against him in the past 18 games because Bud's been a monster. But you have to worry about Titus Howard on the right side. He seemed like a reach as a first-round pick a year ago not playing well thus far and uh, hey good luck Titus your, your next matchup is with TJ Watt and I don't know how many guys you can possibly bring in to, to chip away at TJ um, you know you, you probably want your tight ends trying to operate over the middle against the likes of Devin Bush and Vince Williams to begin with so that's gonna be a really difficult matchup for them and, and that's why I say I think what it comes down to is you are going to have to get that protection and, and give Deshaun some time because one thing we did see, especially with the Giants in week one, with the, the deep ball from Daniel Jones to Darius Slayton, if you've got outside receivers with some speed like Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks have, you can hit the deep ball in the Steelers' defense. I mean, even go back to Robbie Anderson last year in that Jets game. I mean, mm-hmm. Sam Darnold got enough time to sit back there and drop a dime. Deshaun can do that. We know this. And and Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks can run right by you on the outside. It's To me, it's just going to be a matter of, is T.J. Watt going to be breathing down his neck all game long?
1: Brian Backo, the – what should I say? What's the word I'm looking for here? The fantastic, the handsome, the (laughs) the just – I mean, just incredible beat writer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette of the Steelers. All right. Before I get you out of here, I mean, you know how this works, right, Mr. Backo? We have to yep. get you a prediction. So last week you got it right. You're so far, you've picked the games correctly so far. We were all wrong, though, uh, you, Motes, and I against the spread because, mm-hmm. unfortunately, the Steelers did not cover. So we're going to bounce back this week. What is the Batman's prediction?
4: I am going to go with my first Steelers loss of the season. Uh, even though they're favored, I'm going to take the the Texans to – Not just cover Wes and Chris, but win outright. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game on the pitch at at Heinz Field. And and I think Deshaun is going to get enough time. Did he just say on the pitch? He
2: said on the pitch. I like it. it. Is that a soccer reference, Batco? What what are you doing here, man? (laughs) It's going to be a challenge
4: for the Steelers' defense going from the likes of D. Jones and Jeff Locke uh, over to uh, Deshaun Watson. And and I think that could be the the toughest part for them at the end of the day. So I'll go Texans thirty-six. Killers 29. nine.
1: Thirty-six to twenty-nine. My goodness. High scoring game at
2: Heinz Field on the pitch, as Brian Batkin says. Also shout out to Jeff. Gold. Also shout out to Jeff Locke, <laughs> former uh, Pirates pitcher who uh, made an all star game one time.
4: Just yeah, I, I went with Drew Driscoll earlier, but I
2: think I like Jeff Locke I think <laughs> Jeff Locke works because that's a Pittsburgh reference, man.
4: Exactly. <laughs> and he was a Vikings punter, don't forget.
2: Oh I forgot oh wow, there's a lot of there's a lot of Jeff Locke just like there's a lot of Chris Carters out there. There are a lot of Chris Carter's out there. There's only
4: one Wes Euler, though. And there's very true. There you go.
1: And there's only one Brian Batko. He does not do cap. There's not. There's more.
4: No, there's another Brian Batko. He's like a third or fourth. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's another Wes Euler
1: somewhere in the world. There's seven billion people (laughs) in the world. All right.
4: There's another Brian Batko here in Pittsburgh.
2: Is what I'm saying. There's only Put some
1: room respect for one.
2: on his name. There's only room for one, Brian There's Backo. only room for one of us in this town. <laughs> and it's the
1: one who writes for the Post-Gazette. Find him on Twitter, at Brian BrianBakko. He doesn't do cap, and he hasn't changed his number since the seventh grade. Partner, we appreciate your time as always. Sure thing. See you guys. There he goes, Mr. Bacco, like Texans, 36-29. to 29.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of points there. That's a lot of points. I mean, I think there's going to be some points scored here, but I don't, I, I don't see either team getting in the 30s in this game, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, me either. I'm going to obviously wait until tomorrow to do my official prediction, Chris. Do you want to give yours before we get out of here, or are you waiting too? I don't want to step on your toes here.
2: Uh... Like we don't have to do it right at this moment. Yeah, we could do it today. Because okay. I mean, unless unless I'm coming back tomorrow. Wink, wink, not judge. Uh, but <laughs> well, uh... I just didn't know, like, <laughs> because I know you are the hardest working man in Pittsburgh media. <sighs> I didn't you. know if you had to like save your official prediction for some point. or oh, something no, you know no, no, mean? no, no, no. I no. mean, okay. I am I am not one to uh, to to do, to do that. But I mean, you're gonna you're gonna hear my prediction on the DK Steelers podcast uh, tonight with Dale or tomorrow with Dale Lally. We're gonna record that tonight. And uh, you'll hear our predictions. Uh, Dale Ollie's up on me one in, well, by one point in the picks right now, Ooh, so he was tight uh, race. he was rubbing in that he was rubbing that in my face this week. So we're gonna look to change that for uh, for next week.
1: Yeah, you know, Moats and I've got to we got to start getting back on our keeping track and, and doing <laughs> our picks and everything. Last year we did five games every week. Yeah, uh, four NFL, one college. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and the Steelers was always one of the four NFL. Right. We did five picks every week. Kept track of our record throughout the season. I beat him by three games. That's how close it was the entire year. It was only separated by three games. So we got to get back on that. We will get Chris's prediction for Sunday against the Texans before we get out of here. Thanks to Brian Backo again for joining us. He is Chris Carter. He's in for Arthur Motes today. I'm Wesley Euler, and you are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR.
0: This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR.
1: Chris Carter, Wesley Euler, with you here on the Steelers Blitz on SNR on a Thursday. We're getting close to uh, to Week Three action: Steelers Texans Sunday, one o'clock at Heinz Field. I got to say, Chris, I know you're on board with me on this one. I mean, this, I think it's like the next five games or six games for the Steelers are all one o'clock games. I love it. I mean, I absolutely mm-hmm.
2: love it. Yeah. On board. Yeah. I, 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 It's funny. When I was a kid, I loved the night games. Oh, me too. Because it was When a I was chance. in college, I yeah. loved the night games. Yeah, it, was, it was a chance for me to stay up late, yep. you know, drink some Pepsi, yep. hang out with the some boys. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I, yeah, uh-huh. I, well, I, honestly, I, I'm very honest. I did not drink until I was 21. Like ever? Ever. Or like to get drunk? No, ever. Like, did you ever try anything though? No. Like I, I have a sip of this beer. I was terrified. Have a sip of this I, I was, I was yeah. terrified. Well, I, I was. There was a part. So my granddad died from a lung and liver cancer okay. when I was in high school. That caused some problems for me, and there was a time I was really frustrated about that. And like I swore to never drink. Hmm. And it was my senior year, and I was like, I'm ready to drink.
1: <laughs> like, like, senior I, year of college.
2: Oh, college, okay. yes, of course. Now, yeah, I, high school, I never touched I was going to say, senior year of high school, you are 21, yet. Um, unless and, you got and held I, back like wh- f- three times. <laughs> three times. <laughs> I didn't go to West Virginia. Always. Hey, that's a good <laughs> one. That's a good one. Got
1: There em. it is. Now, see, if you can make jokes like that instead of just, you know, four all the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
2: yeah. But my point is, uh, um, but, it, like, like, my sophomore and junior years, people were, like, they would put vodka in water, like, splashes of it, and, like, I would be like, nah, this is not, this is, like, I would, this is not an, this is an open container. I don't know, I know that you try to get So people would try, to try get and get you. Yeah, people try to get That's me for like, years. That's,
1: uh, my, my uncle, who's in his 60s, mm-hmm. hasn't had a sip of soda since he was, like, 15, and it's the same thing. Like, his family family members try and get, you know, they'll they'll pour, like, some Pepsi into something and try and get him to
2: take a sip of it. Mm. Everybody always wants to get you When you don't want to drink something I mean what's mm. up with that Yeah I mean that's the thing is like it's not cool to try and trick And like they were trying to be friendly with it They were right, like right. Uh, they it, wasn't being cool. it wasn't devious It wasn't devious But like when I, I had to like sit them down I'm like y'all understand Like there was a time in my life Not to get too religious here On the Steel Nation Radio But I I came to conflicts with God Like you know like I had um, I had I was like At a point when I was a junior in high school I was angry Because I'm like Why'd you take my granddad away from me sure. man like, Sure And that's when I was like, I'm never gonna smoke, I'm never gonna drink. I still haven't smoked. Um never ever anything? Well, I also have asthma, so I'm terrified. Like a of puff it. of a cigar? No. No, no not even a okay. cigar. Um I mean, you're not missing. I too. have mashed with some hookah. Um <laughs> but uh but I, I but a, like with like beer, I didn't have my first beer until I was twenty one. Um I do, I, my first time getting drunk was my 21st birthday. Really? Uh, my friends – I had some great friends good at for you. University. No, Good for you, man, honestly. Um, like, I had a long day doing student government stuff because I was the president, and I was doing this meeting and that meeting. I'm coming back to my room, and my vice president, Cam Price, who's my, still my guy, um, he's walking back to my room, and I'm like – Oh it has been a long day I just want to sit back And relax He's like You're probably not Going to be able to do that I'm like What are you talking about And he opens the door Party Surprise <laughs> And they had Jamba juice They had, so they, they, let me, they let me try All the alcohols
1: You were like Alright I'll, yeah. I'll dabble yeah, I, I was
2: like Okay this is whiskey This is tequila yeah. This is this This is that And then after that it was a blast because then I, I went on a couple trips that year. Like we went to Vegas, we went to um, I went to D.C. for this uh, for this rally that we were doing for nice. student for student rights and human rights. And that was when I started to to learn more about what you started I started like, to dabble. Oh, I started to dabble. <laughs> and that's the duality of man. That's the duality
1: of this show. Because while Chris Carter waited until his twenty first birthday, it, there's me who got an underage. At 16 years old at the Dave Matthews concert. Anyways, Chris Carter, Wesley Euler, on Twitter, at Carter Critiques, at Wesley Euler. Uh, I wanted to ask you, partner, because I, I I love your breakdowns. I know you're a film study guy. Deshaun Watson. A lot has been made about his performances in the first two weeks of this season. Um, did he deserve all that money? How good is he really? How much of it was Hopkins? How much of it is, okay, he's got a, a not-so-great offensive line in front of him. When you evaluate Deshaun Watson. Where do you kind of put him on the uh and I always do this. Is it now see this is where I need the the Chaney and the Pitman to step in for for the West Virginia guy here. Is it where do you put Deshaun Watson on the Parthenon of quarterback rankings or is it the Pantheon of Pantheon? Okay. Pantheon. Yeah. You know how I remember that? panthers yes chris carter's a panther yes. he told me it was pantheon yes yes i'm good i'm good for the next 30 years of my life at least <laughs> where do you until put, we have this discussion
2: next <laughs> where do you put deshaun watson on the pantheon of a current nfl quarterback so top tier is russell wilson patrick mahomes i agree the, the obvious ones aaron Rodgers is back and forth on that for me there's times when he's a completely unstoppable. Um, But Deshaun Watson is on that level with Lamar Jackson. I think the side that's against uh, Deshaun Watson is that his team isn't helping him out as much as the other teams are. You know, the the, the Ravens have a defense that's going to get Lamar Jackson the ball a lot more. They also have Mark Ingram in the backfield and... You know, you can't say much about their targets that he has. Mark Andrews is a good tight end, but honestly, I feel like Lamar makes him better than he really is. Like if he played for the Steelers, I, I, I think he I wouldn't be doing that. any better than Eric. He's LeBron. in a tight
1: end friendly like like if he played with the Chiefs, I think he'd have yeah. success too, you know what I mean? He's in a a tight end friendly system though, for sure.
2: Yeah. Um uh but yeah, so when I, when I look at that situation, I'm like, man, like that's it's tough for Deshaun, but his talent pure on what he does by himself, he's in that second tier for me. The 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 great but not the greatest Quarterbacks right now.
1: So the first tier is Russell and Mahomes.
2: Yes, and then you'd have him in the second tier with guys like Lamar, guys like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I'd put him right there, and you could even push him down to the third tier, which are you know maybe where like Drew Brees and Tom Brady are right now. Is that they're cool. great? Drew Brees, he's yeah. he's a tough one. He's, to a, pin tough, down he's right a tough. He's a tough right one now. to pin down because that's the thing. Like he's so smart, but you saw with Michael the, Thomas out, the they arm couldn't strength do anything. Just isn't so actually, no, I'd put him be. above Drew Brees right now. Historically, of course, that's a whole yeah, other yeah, yeah. Absolutely, I agree with you on that, but. Yeah, I mean, Deshaun Watson's pure talent, man. I I just, I think it's rough because now he doesn't even have the primary receiver he was able to depend mm-hmm. on. His offensive line, I mean, he got hit 13 times last week. Uh, and I was talking to um, our guys Cody and John, who run the, the Locked On Texans podcast okay. uh, for today's crossover Thursday mm-hmm. episode on the Locked mm-hmm. On Steelers podcast, and... They were telling me, like oh, Chris, this isn't this isn't Watson. This is this is the line. There, they There's so many times they're giving up pressures they really shouldn't, and it's causing him to second guess and having to kind of figure out how he's gonna get rid of the football and and not be sure of himself. So, that, and those are just the Texans guys. That's that's their opinion, right? And they, right. they watch the team every day. So, um, I, I think I give Deshaun Watson a lot more credit than I think other people might, um, just because I've seen him play against a lot of adversity and do really well. So
1: is the solution for the Steelers this week man coverage with a spy, or do you play much more zone if you're Keith Butler and company? How would you go about at least at the start of the game, um, you know, t- trying
2: to negate what Deshaun Watson does best? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you run some man. You trust your corners to be able to run with their receivers. I think you I I think honestly you stick to you stick to that four man rush. You contain your rush lanes. You occasionally throw in a Mike Hilton or a, a Terrell Edmonds blitz to kind of keep him off balance. Uh, but you do have Devin Bush running with him in the middle of the field. And let him play some zone too. Like let him let him fool you a little bit, but you need, you know, a Bush or an Edmonds who can run sideline to sideline to stick with Deshaun Watson because you can't let him fool you. And it's gonna be an uh, like a I'm trusting your eyes to win these matchups type right. of deal. Right. Because as a signal caller you got to know where everyone's at but also we're trusting you as a team to you know to to step up when we need you to step up and take that guy down you know if he wants to rush if he wants sure, to run you sure. be there ready for him to run if he wants to break the pocket you're the one scaring him from from trying to take off and get yards and if he's if there's someone out there that's wide open you take it away and you force him into a decision so um i think it could be really rough for uh you know, you know, for Devin Bush, that's a lot of pressure on a 22-year-old linebacker. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, I mean, Terrell Edmonds, I think he's, what, 22, 23 years old himself. So, you know, these are some young guys, but, you know, this is this is going to be a big determining game for them. I've, I've said that, you know, I, before that I think the biggest factors in this game are going to be defenders in the middle, Bush, Edmonds, Fitzpatrick. How do they read Deshaun Watson's eyes? How do they take away the things that he likes to do? If they do a good job with that, I think the Steelers will have a very good game. I think the pass rush is going to be getting home, or forcing forcing him. But you cannot allow him to take the easy plays over the middle. When he tries to dump it off to to David Johnson, when he tries to hit Darren Fells, when he tries to hit receivers going over the middle of the field, take that away. Um, force him to have to hold on to the ball more. Wait for guys to get open on the sidelines, deeper down the field. That's how you. That's why you let your pass rush get home a little bit more and trust them to win the game. I like it, Chris.
1: Carter. Read his breakdowns, DK Pittsburgh Sports. Follow him on Twitter, Carter Critiques. We've got him for another hour on the other side. One hour of the show in the books, another hour to go. You know what that means. We will get to your tweets in the second hour of the program. So get them in now, at Carter Critiques, at Wesley Euler. I also want to talk – hey, we've touched on it a little bit, but I want to pick Chris's brain at some point in the second hour too uh, about the Steelers' secondary so far. Um, Some good, some bad – but how much stock do you put into that through two weeks? We will get to all of that in the second hour of the program. We'll also get Chris Carter's uh, Texan Steelers score prediction before we get out of here as well. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR.
0: Steeler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio.
1: Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Well, that's good. Me too. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler with you here. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR, having some fun on a Thursday. And uh, we got something exciting to bring to you here, honestly. Like, this is, you know, we don't play, during the season, we don't play a ton of audio here on the show. Um, during training camp and stuff like that and OTAs and we get a lot of access to the players we'll play some interviews and sound and stuff like that from the coaches and and from the guys we don't play a ton of sound during the season Chris but one guy that I do like to hear from Gene Steratore former head of officiating for the National Football League from Washington PA so a I don't know if it's quite fair to call him a yinzer, but definitely a Western Pennsylvania guy. Uh, Gene Steratore, from time to time, he's got a really good relationship here uh, in our building in the iHeart family. He took a few minutes to catch up with the DVE morning show to give his thoughts on just a lot of, you know, as a former referee, a lot of the things that we continue to debate within the context of of pass interference and contact with a quarterback and helmet-to-helmet hits. There's been some talk about the the Devin Bush uh, hit over the weekend, so a lot of interesting stuff here from gene sterator here's what he had to say on the dve morning show
5: all right i got a lot of bones to pick with you and not a lot of time so let's get right <laughs> to it first of all cam sutton minutes, gets, but here we go <laughs> that's right cam sutton gets called for a, a ticky tack penalty uh yep. on the uh, i thought it was i don't know did uh, on the uh, kickoff return or the punt return from Deontay Johnson Uh, did first. Do you think that the NFL regressed in week two in week one, it seemed like they were letting people get away with stuff and letting them play football. And there were a lot more calls in week two, that cam Sutton one seemed to fall in line with those kinds of calls.
3: Yeah, I don't um, overall, I don't disagree. Randy, it seemed to me like there were some, there were more calls this week that were on the edge where uh, you want to see all three of the plays in the Pittsburgh game real quickly were the the block in the back, as you said, on the punt return, the Joe Hayden pass interference, the Mm -hmm. Devin Bush uh, pass interference, all three plays have an officiating language, what you call it the indicator before the foul that started to show. And, and in all three cases, in my opinion, in the Steeler game, although there was the initial indicator there that takes you to, you know, there's another action following, and if it happens, it's going to be a foul. Those indicators all showed in all three plays, but the second action or the or the action then that would take you to what I would think would be a foul, they really didn't occur to me. And I did see a good bit of that. A lot of it was within pass interference, I thought. There was a sprinkling of it in week one, and I thought there was more of that in week two where, there's these indicators. Joe Hayden has his arm around the receiver's back. Okay, that's that's a that's a bad indicator early. But after your arms around that receiver's back, you need to twist and turn that receiver and a material affect him and put him at a disadvantage for a foul to occur. The the punt return. Yes, the, the the blocker is behind that defender as he's pursuing the runner and he barely nudges him right before. But if you watch that The defender then on his own volition dives toward the runner. So that shows you that although there's an indicator that he's chasing him, that movement by that tackler was on his own volition. It wasn't from a push. And then the Devin Bush play, he's behind the receiver and they both dive simultaneously for a football that makes it appear that Bush is riding him on his back when he's really not. He's just diving with him. So Maybe the officials got a little too relaxed or comfortable. They're back in their element, and they, they reacted, <laughs> in my opinion, again, a little ahead of the plays, right? Like when you referee this stuff in real time, the indicator is a huge element to see early because it allows you to slow down a little bit. Again, we're speaking seconds, and now know that there's another action that needs to follow. And look, in football, we have a luxury. The foul can occur and you still can digest that play for another second or two, which is an eternity in officiating to, to, to finish that, that process in your mind before you throw because the play continues. So you don't have to make this bang, bang basketball block charge call on a play like that. You can relax, watch the play for another second and put it all underneath of of one thought basically, and then make your decision. But, I think those three plays to me in the Pittsburgh game uh, were those situations, and it felt like they were a little more quick, quick, and that happened, I think, around the leg this week.
5: See, and the thing that was confounding about all this is Walt Anderson talked about the fact he's the uh, the senior VP of officiating training and development. He said he, they were stressing clear and obvious fouls going into the season. Uh, yes. This is what we want to make sure we get the clear and obvious ones. All right. You can't miss clear and obvious. And in week one, it was like one of the the least amount of penalties called for a week one in the league's history. Uh, And week two, it seemed like there were flags flying everywhere. So maybe you just need to constantly have the clear and obvious discussion with your zebra kin before every Sunday. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good idea. I, I like that idea, Randy. You're right. And, and, you know, some of this then goes into as the season starts to, to happen here, officials will receive a training tape every week. We're not privy to that as the media. But being in the league for 20 years, I know what those, those usually look like. And, and they are. There are a sample of plays around the league. And then discussion occurs. Once they start doing that and they, st- they show these plays in isolation, start talking and say, you know, this is what we want. He's not playing the ball. There's contact. That's then the job of each individual crew to take that training tape and have their own discussion now via Zoom instead of in a meeting room. Uh, but to, to take the message to your individual crew, look, I know what we saw on the training tape. Let's not get too technical right now. You know, continue to stay the course of making the second, third, and fourth piece sometimes of a play finish this entire thing until we start throwing flags and and they'll dial it in. It, it's a uh, you know it's a constant work in progress as we all know and uh, you know and, and as an official you know the guys we're fortunate in this sense and I I've been on the field and had it happen you know you have a play that that maybe is a gray area foul that brings back an eighty four yard punt return. And the next play, you get an 84-yard touchdown pass. And kind of in your mind, you think, you know, maybe I slept right last night. You know, I, 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 I'm a <laughs> bit I kind of forgot about that punt return all of a sudden, you know. Just, yeah. the stats are different. You know, somebody didn't get maybe their bonus because they didn't get a, you know, get the statistics. But That's right. collectively, you look at each other and go, we dodged one on that one, guys. You know, uh, they're not going to yell at me when I get over there because it's already forgotten. There's another touchdown. So that helped a little. Gene, you did such a good job last week of clearing up that pass interference offensive PI uh, scenario for me. I wonder if you could shed some light on uh, contact with the quarterback's helmet because uh, I saw TJ Watt get away with one on Driscoll on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, Derek Carr got an elbow to the head last night. It wasn't called. And then it was a pass rush. I forget the defender, but he just had his hands up and <laughs> just came down and just grazed him. And that flag they called. Is, is is there any interpretation, uh, in that call? Or if you touch the quarterback's helmet, should it be a penalty a hundred percent of the time? And if that's the case, how do they miss it? Cause don't you guys have like five people zeroed in on the quarterback to make sure nobody breeds on him? <laughs> it's always the referee. It's the white hat that never leaves the quarterback all day. It's one of the three or four people that he is watching all day, but you never leave the quarterback, especially when he is, uh, within arm's length or, or potentially going to be hit because of the things you mentioned, uh, Mike, and, and pass interference, or I'm sorry, roughing the pass is a great example. You know, you have hits below or at or below a quarterback's knee, but the defender could be coming off a block. So there's another element to it. You have a graze, as you mentioned, to a helmet. But, the, but if, if you as the referee are working the defense before that action occurs and can see it from beginning to end, which you should – and now a defender is trying to swat a football uh, that's leaving the quarterback's hand. And in his downward motion to try to deflect that pass, he, he grazes, which is a good word, uh, his helmet. I stayed off of those as a referee. My personal preference was to stay off. There were times when, when the grades came out two days later, they would tell me they wanted that. Uh, every once in a while an official's mind, uh, he may know, and it happens as you become a little more you know, gray and, and the whiskers and, and things, that you look at plays like that on Sunday at 3 o'clock and think, they may downgrade me on Wednesday, but Sunday at 3 o'clock, it's my decision. I don't think that that's, that's what I want to have called in this game. And uh, it's not that you're manipulating things. You do have to put that subjective element of judgment in some of those plays. I always lean to not say benefit the defense, but I always look for that criteria, right? Like, what is the reason for him making the decision that he made? Now, look, if it's an aggressive hit and you're swatting the miss and you miss the ball and you whack him in the head, it's a foul. But there's an element in there for me. That's how I digested it. That's how I believe they're still being trained. Uh, Some of that becomes a little more personal with each referee. You'll see that as well, guys. There's guys that... That look, and as soon as the quarterback starts to get tackled, we had that in the in the game early in the in the day the other day. He comes in and blows the Denver quarterback down by contact, and that's a fumble unless it was progress. Uh, some referees are more sensitive to that. In Pittsburgh's case, I would always go to Coach Tomlin before the games when I had them and say, "Look, I, I know Ben six six, you know two two ten two twenty two forty maybe. He throws linebackers off of him. Do you want a quick whistle today?" For me to protect him or do you want me to give him that half second to throw that lineman away from him and make plays that make Ben who Ben is and most times they would just you know it was always let Ben be Ben but I was more inclined to want to know where that was today and then stay consistent on both sides of the football throughout that day uh, but that's a different element too. some of that has referees personal uh, kind of the way that they officiate that position and the quarterbacks throughout the day you just want them to stay consistent once they make that decision in the beginning. Gene, that's a great lead-in for my question. I'm, I was wondering if you would ever consider using your powers for good and joining the Steelers
1: as a challenge consultant because they've got to be the worst team in the league when it comes to throwing that red flag on the field. I don't know what they saw in the in the fan catch on the sidelines, but every, I don't know if it was just to give the defense a blow because uh, they knew they were going to lose the timeout. But why are the Steelers so bad at challenging?
3: When you are a challenger, uh, when you're the one that's potentially going to challenge or not, um, if it's the defense that's on the field for you, your window of making that decision does shorten very quickly. A smart quarterback's going to go up to the line and snap the ball right away because once the snap occurs, you can't challenge. So they can squeeze that 40 seconds into less than 10 to to make you make that decision. You may not get a replay. That may have been what happened Hmm. in the fan play because it's such a big play. But he's on the defensive side of the ball there. The other play, to me, even though Pittsburgh's on the defense. There was, I believe, a field goal the next play. So you know you have 25 or 30 seconds because they're bringing the field goal unit out. So, But while we're in this 20-second interim between downs, someone upstairs needs to be focused on a television replay. We're looking at something. But when you're on the offense and have that decision, it, 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 it lends itself more to look. We've got 40 seconds in between plays, basically, right? So... Let's take our time a little bit here and see if we get an angle that allows the challenge, potential challenge, to have real value. But, you uh, you know, I like your thinking because, uh, you know, there's 32 mm-hmm. teams out there. What the heck? Let's try to do it with, like, this 15 of them or so. And uh, we'll work from the basement <laughs> and have a bunch of TV screens down there. Challenge on. San Diego. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea.
1: That was Gene Steratore on the DVE Morning Show. Great stuff from the former head of NFL officiating and native Western Pennsylvania. Going to take a break here. We'll have more Texans talk on the other side. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler, at Steelers Blitz on SNR.
0: This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR.
1: Steelers Blitz on SNR, Chris Carter in for Arthur Motes today on this lovely Thursday here in uh, western Pennsylvania. By the way, did you see Eric Ebron's tweet? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes, about the weather.
1: <laughs> I mean, was that just like the most welcome to Pittsburgh moment yeah! ever? Uh, for those who are unfamiliar about what we're talking about, Eric Ebron tweeted, 6 a.m. in Pittsburgh, you need a hoodie, sweatpants, yep. gloves, and a skull cap, yep. right? Yep. And a scully. Mm-hmm. And uh, 3 p.m. in Pittsburgh, shorts, shorts t-shirt, tank t-shirt, yeah. tank top, sunscreen. And a bottle of water. <laughs> and a bottle of water. Yeah, that's, well, welcome to Pittsburgh, Eric Ebron. You know the struggle now. Welcome
2: to Pittsburgh. I was the king. I was the king. you I, I was the king of wearing shorts under my jeans all through yeah. all through middle and high school. One, because you always got to be prepared if someone wants to challenge you to basketball. Um, And two, because you always got to be pre- prepared for when it gets hot later in the day and you don't want to sweat everywhere. Right. I mean, I wore a sweater into this studio and it's already come off
1: because it's hot. <laughs> all right, moment of honesty here. My senior year of high school, I didn't wear shorts to school one time not once. I wore pants. Senior? My senior year of high school, I wore pants every day. So in August and September, when it was 80, 90 degrees every day and May and June, when it was 80, 90 degrees every day, khakis or jeans. I'm a khakis and jeans guy. Now, Chris, as I've gotten older, I wear shorts now a lot, but
2: I'm just looking at him like he's crazy.
1: When I was 18, you know, I, I kind of thought of myself as a little bit of a fashionista, you know what I'm saying? Like I kind of thought like, you know, I was, I was kind of the man. I dressed nice and I've just always been a, I've always been a Chino's guy. I don't think khakis is even the right term. I've always been a Chino's guy and jeans. I never, my senior year, one of my buddies bet me 50 bucks or something, you know, which when you're 18 is like all the money in the world, um, (laughs) that that I couldn't go the entire year without wearing shorts. So the only time I ever wore shorts in high school my senior year was during gym class because Mm -hmm. I had to, that was it. So no, I didn't wear shorts under my jeans. But I know exactly what you're talking about because that, that is a power move, Chris Carter, Wesley Euler, with you here on the Steelers Blitz. Uh, question for you: What's up? Can we see Marcus Allen get some spin this Sunday?
2: Maybe. Um, it depends on if they if they want if they want to bring in a guy to help watch uh, Watson and play and play downfield, but also be active. I, I honestly think that between Devin Bush and Terrell Edmonds, and maybe even a, a Spillane, you're going to see guys that can go sideline to sideline and play with Deshaun Watson. Um, and you want guys that can challenge. Now, I do think Darren Fells, You know, they, they've thrown a couple touchdowns to him, I believe. Um, they're going to be on watch for the tight end this week after Noah Fant scored a touchdown in a two-point conversion last week. So I think there's going to be some watch there. But honestly, I feel like the, the biggest challenge this team faces is keep is making sure that Deshaun Watson can't extend plays and let the receivers. Because I, I think the Steelers are fairly confident their corners and safeties can run with these receivers, create tight passing windows, and force Deshaun Watson to be accurate in the face of pressure um, and take away the quick throws. But the problem will come is if he breaks contain or buys buys more time yeah. and then and extends those plays and then allows those those receivers to kind of just make things up down the field and that's when even the better cornerbacks will start to lose battles because you can't run with a guy forever. Um, so that's where I think the challenge is going to really going to come for this team and a lot, how you maintain that is one keep your rush lanes on the front pass rushers, but two behind them have guys that are maintaining that space and holding it down. Hmm,
1: I like it. Yeah, it that's. That's the biggest um, X factor to me, question mark to me, is how the Steelers go about defending Deshaun Watson, right? Not, can they slow him down? Not, can they knock him off his game? Not, you know, can they frustrate him and get after him? It's how they plan to do all those things. Is it Mm -hmm. with Edmonds and Bush? Is it more of a zone look? Does it involve a guy like Marcus Allen, who we know is is just a unique type of skill set, I'm very intrigued. Uh, you know, come kickoff at what? Probably about 102, 103 on Sunday. By the time they actually kick off the ball, how they go about? Because because there are, as you just kind of alluded to, yeah, there are very many ways that they could go about. You know, trying to attack and trying to defend the Sean Watson.
2: Yeah, there's so many. That's the thing. Like you have they have a lot of talent. I mean, last week. You had early in the game against 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 the Broncos. You had Mike Hilton blitzing and blitzing and blitzing, and get, he got a sack. He was he was he was terrorizing the backfield. He got to get a tackle for loss in the run game. Then on fourth down at the end of the game, he fakes his blitz from one side. <laughs> the entire offensive line shifts his way, and then tra- and then sneaks behind the backside and gets that sack on fourth down. That's the kind of stuff that you can disguise, and and ag- especially against an, an inexperienced offensive yes. line like you had with the Broncos, like you will have with the Texans, a bunch of guys who are still learning how to play together you can create some chaos up there. And when you create chaos for the line, that creates chaos for the quarterback. And if you're covering your guys, if you're taking away that that first and second read, that's when you can create some problems, even with guys who I think are are in that second tier of great quarterbacks in this this league today, Hmm. like Deshaun Watson. Chris Carter, kind
1: enough to be with us on this Thursday. Lucky to have him breaking it down so well, as he always does. We're going to take our last break here. On the other side, uh, we will get to your tweets. We will also get Chris's uh, official prediction for Sunday afternoon. So last chance to get those tweets in, tweet now or forever hold your peace for the next 22 hours. At Wesley Euler, at Carter Critiques. We'll wrap up the show on the other side. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR.
0: Is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Moats on your 24-7 home of the black and gold SNR.
1: Wrapping up the show here on a Thursday. Uh, let's get to the twitter.com as we always do here. It's <laughs> Chris's Chris is rocking out that
2: I had to come again. And show you that I'm real. You lied to me. Yes, I, tried. I, said, I, I love you. You lied to me. Yes, I tried. Yes, I tried. I gotta pump your
1: volume up here. I mean you gotta sing it. You gotta bring it. Even
2: though you know I die for you, you lied to me. Yes, I cried. Yes I cried, yes, I cried. return up the man. Oh yeah! Return of the man One second. You know that of the man said you know that I'd be back. Return up once again.
1: All right, I gotta fade out the music here. I'm gonna lose Chris. <laughs> yeah, time. yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm just gonna keep going. You understand? <laughs> to the Twitter we go. <laughs> me asks me with an exclamation point. Westman and Mister Carter, gents, important thirsty Thursday questions. We'll keep <laughs> a PG. So, what's the better soft drink, Mountain Dew or Dr Pepper?
2: Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew, uh, even though it's it's statistically the least healthy soft drink for you, that's not true. Surge because Surge will effing kill you. This is true. Um, I had I had way too much Surge since like because my are gra- grand- so, still alive. Uh, well, I'm still alive, and they have toned down Surge because they brought it back out. They did. It was they Coke's did. response to Mountain Dew. Yep. But it was just too much sugar, way too to much the point sugar. that it was just like y'all. And as a kid, you were just like, Surge. <laughs> but Mountain Dew is the closest thing to that. So like, when I feel also, sh- shout out to Red Lobster—they got the Dudorita or something like that, oh, yeah. like yeah, it, 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 the Dugarita. Like, yeah, it's it's so crazy oh. to think of that. But that good Mount- old Mountain Dew—I mean, first of all, first of all, Mountain Dude, that sounds like a West Virginia drink, man. Oh, so you ain't G- lying. Ooh boy, you ain't, that's
1: why I, so, I thought you would have gone with the Dr. Pepper. Um, I will go with Dr. Pepper. I like both, but I am a I'm a dark soda guy, Chris. All right, little uh, behind the curtain into Wes Euler's life. Dark soda. Okay. Dark pop. Pardon me. Yeah, where 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 are you from? Get that right. I'm sorry, I didn't correct him. Ugh. Light sody pop, to, in my best Myron cup voice. Sody pop. uh Sorry, dark sody pop, light liquor.
2: Nah, I like
1: my dark. Lips. And I know we're opposite on that. Like I'm not a whiskey lips. guy. I'm not a rum guy. I'm not a Scotch guy. I'm I'm <sighs> I'm tequila and gin. See, I love tequila,
2: but I'm just not a gin guy. Light liquor, uh-huh. dark pop. Dark, Wesley Euler, 2024. <laughs> 2024. But see, you know what's we know it's the best dark liquor and dark pop. Oh. Get you some whiskey with some Pepsi. <laughs> and in I there? should
1: say it's not that I like dislike whiskey and mm-hmm. rum. It's not that I dislike
2: Dark Liquor. It just doesn't like me. That's the only thing uh, that gives me a hang. That's okay. the only Your thing that gives game. me a hangover. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I I do like me some Hennessy. Um, you know, some cognac up in here, but mm-hmm. uh but no like but like I do like I have my days. It depends on how I'm feeling. Like I I, I do drink Pepsi and Coke. Like those are those are two. Which are two. one
1: though? If you could only pick one, it, and it, I'm, depends, I'm, it, depends, it depends on the day. Me too.
2: It depends on the day. If I want sweeter, you go Pepsi. If I want like you mm. know just like regular, I go Coke. Depends on the food pairing for me. That's the other thing. Yeah, yeah. Like there's certain things. Like if I'm if I'm enjoying a, like a like a burger, I want Coke. Yes. But if I'm enjoying pizza is Pepsi for yeah, me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's the combination right there. Pizza man, and Pepsi. You know, burger page. and Coke. My brother, Let's right knuckle here. it here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. I, I, it,
1: like. Uh, like if I'm going to McDonald's Has to be a Coke You know what I mean But if I'm going to Minio's You know Best pizza in Pittsburgh, hey, to, get, is, to get a slice Give me a Pepsi Take that Whoever was uh, at Question Me had a three part question here So that was the first part Second part is You walk into Target Sands, a significant other What's the first section You walk
2: to <laughs> I um My Target is in East Liberty Which is like Two minutes from my house so I always go there for my food. Like I'm like, all right, let me grab my food, what I need. And so food, even without even without uh, my, my lady friend, um, <laughs> I still right, go right to the food, get what I need there because I'm always hungry. Uh, but at, right after the food, you go right to the electronics. You see what TV you're not gonna buy today, and look like, ah oh, man, if I only had that in my living room. Um, and then you see what video games are there. I did, like, like that's where I go, like, when I occasionally, I'll spring for, like, the oh, Spider-Man man. game when it came out. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, whatever, Madden, or I bought the show there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a couple, of uh, several months ago, because my my show team's also lit right now. If anyone plays Diamond Dynasty in the show, come see my squad. <laughs> it's the Pittsburgh Crawfords, baby. They're taking everyone's heads off. Uh, if I walk into Target,
1: Sands, Mrs. Euler, uh, first section I'm walking to is, like, the men's care section. Men's care? Like where the shampoo and the body wash and oh, the, okay, okay. the shaving stuff. I, I, I always
2: I always restock there. I, I, that's more like my second or third stop if I you know if I'm if I'm like doing objective things like I'm yeah. I'm there for a purpose mm-hmm. I will stop there to re-up my DO um, and my body wash. Yeah I'm bougie with the bar
1: soap Chris. I don't know if we've had this bougie. conversation um, but you know how like some people are with their craft beers. That's how I am with bar soap. Yeah. Like I just I love <laughs> different like kinds of I just literally at Target yesterday bought this like sea uh, scrub exfoliating for men body soap. I smell like I'm in the Navy over here. I smell like the ocean, baby. Uh, yeah, that that's where I'm going. Uh, but I'm with you too. Electronics section always good. Target has a nice vinyl selection now. Honestly, depending mm. on the Target. A mm. um, couple months ago, I got a Bob Marley record, brand really? brand new on vinyl at Target. I swear. We shop at different so, Targets. I'm, I'm,
2: always,
1: I'm always I'm always checking out the Whoa, vinyl at that, Target that, as that's well. Not,
2: that's not fair. I don't I don't go to that part of the electronics section in my Target. So that they so may maybe have it's a it personal there. problem. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it might be a personal <laughs> problem. Um. I also haven't had. I bought my old man a record player because he's a music teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we, we share that. You know, mm-hmm. you, got, you got you got your family and 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 the rich. come from
1: music families. Yeah,
2: yeah. So like you know that 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 part is shared, but. Um, you know, but we're still not, we're still not like, 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 I bought my dad a record player and mm-hmm. I bought him still, like, him some Stevie Wonder because that's his favorite yep. artist. Yep. I bought him some, some Miles Davis, mm-hmm. but he's still not like big on that. He's still, because he, he spends so much time working on stuff, especially now that he's working from home. I'm sure. Um, which is really cute. There's sometimes I like, he's called me over just to kind of be like, hey, I need your help. Like, uh, I don't know how to talk to these kids today because my, my Microsoft team you know isn't what? working.
1: It's funny you say that uh-huh. because my dad's teaching violin lessons as well. I've done the same. Chris, I had to go over and I had to help him. How do I record and how do I do right. this? Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's like, what do you mean that there's a connection problem? Ah, how dang. do I stream? What's Wait, dang there's dual screens? and dang like, technology. My, my, my dad's tripping because I've showed him now how to use his USB cord to connect his laptop to his big screen TV. Ooh. So now he's like... What what you, wait what i can like do the computer with my tv and i'm like yeah pops is pretty cool so now he's he's welcome like to, welcome he's, to 2020 yeah man. he's all about it so now he's like man this is the coolest thing ever where have i been um so yeah so yeah uh um no yeah definitely on no, next that time if,
1: next time you go to target I check mean, it, it out let me know vinyl. if they got some What's vinyl? the third question here
2: best game james connor has had as a Steeler. all right james connor that was definitely the browns at i home. was gonna say in uh, in twenty, it would have been his sophomore season, right? It, been, it was it was the or, year. Or sorry, last year? Or, no, two years ago. Two years ago, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but when you look at James Conner and you look at it, look at his history. He's had he's had some explosive games. Like even last year, he had some impressive games against the Chargers, where I mean, he really carried the offense with Devlin Hodges. Um, but in twenty eighteen, Pittsburgh needed him to to uh, to step up. Um. And uh, and he and he really did, you know. He he became a Pro Bowl running back, um, and he was able to he was able to set up, you know, what was going on for the Steelers offense, and and Pittsburgh was just kind of in the hate on mode for for leaving them hanging. Uh, but he took in that game. If th- the Steelers win thirty three eighteen, he gets twenty four carries, one hundred and forty six yards oh. on the ground. Two rushing touchdowns and caught five of six passes for 66 yards. That's 212 yards of offense and two touchdowns. He did fumble, but it wasn't lost. Um, and that's that. And I remember being there covering that game for DKPittsburghSports.com, and I remember looking around the stadium at one point. He gets like a, his like fifth first down in the day, and the Steelers are just grinding the Browns out. And I just hear the stands chanting Connor, Connor, and I remember Connor, that. and I'm looking around like. What year is this? Like, like, I never thought, like, like going into that scene, you know, I'm thinking, like, Le'Veon Bell's going to be the superstar running back. He's been for the past four yeah. years. Yeah. And here we are, Steelers fans chanting the name James Conner. Also an amazing story for this guy. Bouncing back sure. from cancer, sure. being, you know, the pit panther that oh, he is, yeah. the hero that he was for, for cancer survivors and for pit fans everywhere. And for him to do that for the Steelers, that was an awesome day for him and an awesome day if you were a pit fan or a Steelers fan or both. That was a heck of a moment. I am not a pit fan,
1: as anybody who's listened to this show for more than 15 minutes can attest to. But, yeah, I mean – <laughs> Who couldn't love that moment? That was a great one, and I concur uh, with everything that Mr. Carter just said. Thrash here on Twitter says, "I feel like the more I listen to this show, the more I get educated on the game in a way beyond just being a fan." Thrash, that's what I said. That's why I told you. That's why I got to surround myself with Chris or with Arthur, guys that are just way smarter than me. That's the plan. That's the plan. If you learn anything from this show, it's just surround yourself with good talent.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going for. That's here. the key in life too. You That's look true. At, you look at you want to surround yourself with people who are going to make you smarter and better. You don't want to surround yourself with with people with yes men and with people that you look that, that that you look at and you don't grow from them. You know, I grow from my conversations with West. Mm-hmm. I grow from my conversations with Dale. Hey, man. I grow from my conversations with with, with Dayon and with and with you know Nub- Nubias Wilborn of of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. I grow from people in this city who I'm who oh, I surround myself with. And those are just some of the names off the top of my head with people I've had conversations with in the past twenty four hours. But there's a lot of people that I grow for. I'm blessed to have those people in my life. If you're sitting in your life, you should you should look around and try to say who challenges me, who makes me think, who makes me step up my game. Yep. Those are the people that you want in your life because at the end of the day, when you're challenging yourself every day and those people are challenging you, you're going to be better off because after all said and done at the or, or at the end of the day, as athletes <laughs> will say, um, you're going to be better for it, you're going to have thought a lot more about it and then you're going to be that much stronger when you're in a situation where you need those communication skills. Those you know the, that level of ex- extra thought that you might have. Good call by Chris Carter. All right, last
1: but not least, drum roll! Before before we get out of here, before we let him go, Woo!
2: Chris Carter, your prediction for Sunday at Heinz Field. I got the Steelers winning. I got them winning 27-19. 27-19 to 19 Steelers. I, what's the spread right now? Because I know we're supposed to pick. So, yeah,
1: it opened at like three and a half Steelers, mm. but I think it's up to five and a half Steelers now, So which means people have
2: been hammering the Steelers. Mm. So I'm thinking this. I'm thinking but that... by either of those, you would cover. Right, by either of those, I would cover. But I'm thinking this. The Steelers and Texans are going to come out duking it out. Deshaun Watson's going to move the ball early, but then not put up touchdowns. And then the Steelers are going get to a, get a couple touchdowns in the first half. They're going to go into the half 14 to six or nine or whatever. And then in that third quarter, you're going to see Ben Roethlisberger hit a couple big plays and Deshaun Watson start going you know, to start to feel the pressure breaking down on him. And then I think you're going to see Deshaun Watson maybe with like eight to five minutes left in the fourth quarter. That's when you're going to see Watson start to get crazy and just start to make plays and extend drives and, and step out of himself a little bit, and he's going to put a touchdown up, and they might go for like a two-point conversion or something like that, and that's when it's 27-19, making it a one-possession game. But then the Steelers' offense will, uh, like Batco said, well, you know, if he, he said he wouldn't win, but he said this would be the game they needed to happen. I think the Steelers' offense does close it out. You see the run game get alive. Ben Roethlisberger might hit a play action. You might see like a receiver make a big play. Deontay Johnson makes some people miss. Or maybe even the tight ends get involved. But I have the Steelers' offense closing it out, keeping the defense off the field and uh, winning 27-19 in this game.
1: Oh, I like it. Carter on the board, 27-19. Steelers back go 36-29. Texans, Moats and I, of course, will give you our predictions tomorrow when we get that paper, when we show you the money. Might as well hit the drop, right? Why not show me the money? Show me the money! We'll do that tomorrow, of course, on a Friday, as well as five-star Friday. Uh, Last one here. Keith got one in real quick. He wants to know your take on when the Steelers might start to incorporate Anthony McFarland into the game plan.
2: Uh, I still say a couple more weeks. They're probably getting him up to speed. Um, honestly, they're going. To, you're going to see a heavy dosage of Connor and Snell. I yeah, think as if, long as those two are healthy, yeah, they're 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 going to, They're going to be active, yeah. and you've even seen them work in Jalen Samuels. But I remind people in Jalen Samuels' rookie year of 2018. Um, when he came on on for the Steelers, wasn't until midseason against the pa- the Panthers, and you saw him catch a touchdown pass. I see. I think that's around when you start to see McFarland when the offense is just comfortable running the ball with its hmm. top guys, and you see them build that continuity. Then they'll start to work work in the rookie and say, Hey, let's slip him a screen pass. Let's line him out, you know, out in the flat, and just see like what what we could get him out out there and uh, use that speed maximum sense. But they want to get their bread and butter going first before they start mixing in the crazy stuff. And that's what you kind of seen with these early two games. You know, a lot of people were mad at Randy Fiechner for why are you running the ball? And and I do think it's maddening sometimes when you're like, man, like attack the, the 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 weakness in the defense. But I also think when you look at this at this at what they're doing right now, they're trying to figure out what works best for them with their starters. And when they find those reliable plays with James Conner and Benny Snell, that's when they can start putting away games and then after then and I think it's going to take a few more games to figure that out, that's when you start to see they'll add more wrinkles to the offense. But you got to get your basics down and find out what really works for you in the primary moments before you get there. I mean, this guy's just dynamite, folks. Read his work, DK Pittsburgh
1: Sports. Listen to the Locked on Steelers podcast. If you are – hey, and I'm sure I'm talking right to most of the listeners right now. If you are a Steelers junkie, if you are football, 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 24-7 during the season – uh, you got to listen to Chris's Locked on Steelers podcast as well, a daily podcast talking nothing but Stellars football. Uh, like Chris said, he does crossovers uh, with the team that the Steelers are about to play. And you can follow him, of course, on Twitter at Carter Critiques. Buddy, appreciate it as always. Fun as always. Sharing the microphone with you. Same here, buddy. I love doing this show with you, man. We we appreciate it, and that's why, you know, we've been asked by people before, you know, you say you only have two good friends of the show, Jordan Aww. Dangerfield and Brian Backo. What about Carter? We've said this. Carter Aww. isn't a friend. He's family. Yeah. yeah. He's
2: part of the show, baby. Yeah, man. I love it. And also, shout out to Arthur Motes, doing a heck of a job with you here. I listen to you guys a lot, and I appreciate you know his voice in the media, not just as a as a former Steeler, but also as a black man. You know, being being out here, and uh, he's a good dude, though, yeah, and, and and representing, I think, both the both the community as as African Americans and as Pittsburghs well. In uh, I just called, I just said "s" at the end of Pittsburghs. God, I'm so well. Yinzer. That's the most user thing you've <laughs> done on the show all day today. You know that Mike Tomlin's. And Mike Tomlin's the Panera. I I, I had to talk with Jenna Harder from WPXI. She's like, cause she said she said Panera, and I'm like, wow, you you don't say the S in the Paneras yet, or you know, Giant Eagles or 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 because it's just Permaney brothers. It's not Permanis. <laughs> you know. But you know, that's so, that's what we do here, at Pittsburgh. So You'll like this. Um, you know the movie
1: Get Him to the Greek. Yes, the uh, the, movie, the Jeffrey And yeah. Jeffrey. <laughs> when the when the when I was still working for the Eagles radio network in Philly, and they signed Alshon Jeffrey, yeah. they did. Uh, Eagles fans did the same thing. Jeffreys. 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 So the the show that I was doing was was Marks and Reese, uh, mm-hmm. uh, John John Marks and Ike Reese. Ike Reese was a former Eagles and Falcons linebacker, mm-hmm. and they had me cut up that Russell Brand Jeffrey in like a British. <laughs> and every time a caller would say Jeffries, they, they would, like I would Jeffries. hit it, and, and they would go amazing.
2: Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Jeff, Jeffrey. That's, that's hilarious. So maybe it's a Pennsylvania thing. Maybe <laughs> putting the putting the S on the end of everything. I, I think it is more than Pittsburgh, but it's definitely there's I mean, we we definitely do it here more oh, than other other regions. Hundred I mean, percent. it's funny. I didn't notice it until like people from like New York were like, "What the heck is wrong with you?" <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's 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 Panera. You know? I'm like, "What?" No, it's not. No, it's not.
1: <laughs> like you know, there's no S on the end unless you're pluralizing
2: yep. it. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like I was like, "What do you mean?" That's just the name. Whose bread is it? Panera's bread. Yeah.
1: Tomorrow on the show, it's Friday. Five-star Friday. Show me the money. We get you ready for Steelers-Texans. I'll also do a little singing. We'll have our Houston version of the Here We Go song. So we'll talk the to you in tomorrow, high noon. And as always, you know where to find us on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio.